do you need encouragement? About that ever? Um, I'm not going to ask you, do you ever need encouragement? Because unless you are an emotional rock, you're going to need some encouragement from time to time. And uh, that doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you wimpy. It doesn't make you a snowflake. Um, now, if you're addicted to encouragement, you may need some help. But I'm just talking about the normal ebbs and flows of life. For those that are following Jesus, um, and sometimes it just requires um, every now and then we just need to look at somebody with skin on and know that they get it, know that they understand. And sometimes they have a word that will meet us in our weakness while they're not experiencing that weakness. And we can take encouragement from what they say. I think there's a shortage of that in the body of Christ. It's almost like these extremes. Do you notice that the church is kind of living in a growing paradigm of extremes? Like the visible church, the messaging, the type of ministry. Do you see the separation that's happening? There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in churches right now that um, I think in an attempt to be relevant and maybe to reach the world, that they've just abandoned pretty much anything that sniffs of Christianity and they're just becoming like entertainment shows. I'm not talking about, you know, I mean, I'm talking about the extreme stuff. I saw a, a pastor riding a roller coaster in his, you know, church sanctuary. He was literally riding a roller coaster on stage and singing some, sound like a 70s funk song or something about riding the roller coaster. And this was a church service. And, you know, I mean, I'm not here to throw stones, but that doesn't make any sense to me. And then, you know, you've got some of the more noteworthy, I'll not name names, but some of the more noteworthy um YouTube sensations and digital sensations that are pastors and leaders and their stuff is just devoid of the gospel. Then on the other side, the other extreme, you know, you've got some rigidity, you've got some lovelessness, you've got some people that are law. It's just all law and demand and performance and do more, give more, serve more. You know, guilt and manipulation and, and shame and, you know, almost threatening kind of tone. Bless God, you better be ready when he comes back. And if you're not, you know, doing this, this and this, then you're not ready. It's just, it's kind of not the spirit of Jesus. <laughs> it goes with last week's podcast. If you didn't listen to it, you might want to listen to it. It's called A Troubling Ignorance. And it was about people not knowing what spirit they're operating in. But for those of us, and I, I just want to believe this is the majority of Christians in America. I'm just going to believe that actual Christians, not checking the box that Christianity is their religion, but actual Jesus followers. I just want to believe the, the majority of us are like trying to figure it all out. And while we're figuring it out, we're just really learning how to lean into him to enjoy his presence. We are trying to live for him, but not out of some slavish fear but out of a, a motivation of love and honor. And, you know, we don't always get it right. Please recognize that about yourself and other Christians. We don't always get it right. I think the true revelation of where we are with Jesus is two things. How do we respond when we have to admit we didn't get it right, when there's a need for us to repent or admit a wrongdoing or a failure in a relationship as a follower of Jesus, that's a revelation of where we are with Jesus. And the second thing is, is how do you respond when some other Christian's imperfection splashes on you? 
And so we're pressing in and we're trying to, you know, just, I just, I, at the risk of sounding like I'm marketing my book, but we're figuring it out as we go. And that's just my life story. And I love it. I love walking with Jesus in an ever deepening revelation of who he is. Um, I just expect to make mistakes. I don't excuse sin, especially not my own, but I do just recognize, you know, I'm not glorified yet. So there's going to be mistakes made by me and there's going to be mistakes made by others that negatively impact me. And so I want to press in in truth. I want to learn more how to interact and follow with the Holy Spirit. I want to love more. I want to love better. And I'm just praying in this season. I went for years and years and years when I came out of the denominational world that I was theologically trained in. And my eyes were open to the revelation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I went so hard after pursuing the gifts because that's what the Bible says to do. First Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 were commanded twice to pursue gifts. But now having learned a little bit about gifts and knowing what gifts I have and what gifts I don't have, not at a high level. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to use the gifts that he's given, always wanting to increase in proficiency of using spiritual gifts for the work of ministry. But I'm actually going after the fruit of the spirit really hard right now. Um, what good are the gifts of the spirit if they're not validated by the fruit of the spirit in my life, your life? And so we're all pressing in. We're doing this thing together. And yeah, we serve God. Like if you're not serving God, you're disobeying. Like you ought to, if I ask you, how do you serve God? You should know the answer to that without having to say, hmm, well, um, hmm. You should know this is how I'm dedicating time, gifts, energy, and money to serve God in the kingdom. You should know that. And so when we're living that way, an intentional consecration and service under the Lord Jesus Christ as our lives are not our own. We're bought with a price. We are part of the body of Christ that is revealing the head of that body, who is Jesus. We're revealing that to the world. It, it's going to cost us something. We're going to exert effort in serving the Lord. Don't believe the hyper grace nonsense that says, oh man, if you're exerting anything, man, you're just striving in religion. You better tell that to the apostle Paul. Go read what he writes in second Corinthians. And he's going to talk to you about exerting himself and striving and straining to win the race. So don't give me that nonsense about like intentional effort and sacrifices religion. No, it, you saying that potentially is a mask of your own laziness or maybe a revelation that you don't understand what it means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in a life of surrender. But for all of you that do understand that and you're serving, let me give you a verse, man, that I, I don't really remember reading and, and getting impacted by this verse until about maybe six or seven years ago. I know I had to have read it multiple times, but I, I don't remember getting the revelation on it personally, but it's just a word from the Lord from Isaiah 57. And it's so fatherly of him. And like he says this, he says to Israel in Isaiah 57, 10, listen to this, just receive this, especially if you're tired, especially if you're exhausted, especially if you're worn out, especially if you're discouraged. Okay, got your attention? Listen to what God says. 
and have the faith to reach out and receive it as his word to you. Okay. God said, you were wearied with the length of your way, but you did not say it is hopeless. You found new life for your strength. And so you were not faint. I'm going to read it again because a lot of you are driving and you're not going to be looking it up, but it's Isaiah 57, 10. God speaking says, you were wearied with the length of your way, but you did not say it is hopeless. You found new life for your strength. And so you were not faint. I love this. I love this. I love this. Father, encourage some of the listeners today. Encourage the weary ones. Encourage the ones that have wondered, how long is this going to continue? And bring some spiritual revitalization to exhausted souls in the name of Jesus. So Isaiah 57.10 to me is like a warm embrace from the Father. I'm not a really lovey-dovey guy. I, I wish I could, you know, grow a little bit more quickly in this area. I am growing, but man, it's a slow grow. Some men, some women are just all able to connect on the Papa God kind of revelation, the softer side. That's not been easy for me, but I get it. And when I read a verse like this, because this is, this is like a, an embrace from the Father to you. When he says, hey, you were wearied with the length of your way, but you didn't give up. You didn't, you didn't say it was hopeless. So it's, it's literally the omnipotent, everlasting God of the universe speaking. And he himself, God knows nothing of personal weakness outside of, you know, Jesus taking on the form of a servant and becoming, becoming obedient to death and, you know, all the experience in Gethsemane on Calvary. But inherently, God knows nothing personally of being exhausted, wearied, and weakened because of something lacking in him. But the same God who is omnipotent, He's the everlasting God of the universe. He seems in this verse to stoop down in grace like a good parent will. And he looks you in the eyes and he says to you, in essence, hey, I, I know your life is exhausting at times, but I'm so proud of you for not giving up. That, that's my summary statement of Isaiah 57.10. God told them, you are wearied with the length of your way. In other words, God's saying, hey, You've been on a long road. And then God says, but you never quit. But you did not say it is hopeless. Isn't it? Isn't that our flesh? Our flesh seems to want to just rise up from time to time and say, all right, that's it. It's been too long. It's gone on too long. It's cost too much. The rewards are not quickly uh, coming. They're not measurable. They're not quantifiable. You're serving, you're giving, you're praying, you're waiting, you're being open and honest before the Lord, you're abstaining from the moral evils of the world, you're denying yourself, you're misunderstood, you're misrepresented, you're mistreated at times, it's just not worth it, I'm weary, I'm done. That's your flesh. Your flesh will say that at times. If you're, if you're doing the Christian life right, your flesh will seek to insert its voice and tell your spirit it is time to quit. And God looks at Israel and and in essence, he's saying, yeah, you're not imagining things. Your way has been long. It has been hard. You're not imagining things. And that enough is, is comforting to know that God says to us, 
hey, I see the cost. I see the, the pain of being patient with time that you're not in control of. I see all of that. That would be enough, but God adds affirmation. It's not just understanding, it's affirmation. He says, yep, you're not imagining anything. It's been long and hard, but I am so proud of you for not giving up. You have not said it's hopeless. You felt it maybe at times, but you haven't made that your final declaration. When a person declares over themselves, it is hopeless, that is a statement of finality. And what God is saying is you're exhausted, but you keep going because you know me. You know who I am. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Probably most of the people that you're going to run into today stand in some need of encouragement, especially the Christian people in your life. And I'm not talking about just like a pat on the back. I'm telling you, those who follow Jesus in this world, they occasionally, we, not they, we occasionally need to hear someone tell us that, hey, you're not imagining anything when you're feeling fatigued, when you're wrestling through discouragement, when you're afraid to tell anybody, but you're telling yourself that you are absolutely overwhelmed and taxed beyond measure. We, we occasionally need somebody with skin on to look us in there and say, hey, I get you. I get you. Hey, I've been there. I'll probably go there again, but I I want you to know you're not crazy. You're not a sorry Christian. Don't listen to the accuser. The accuser is telling you you're the only one and everybody else is skipping across the waves unto glory. The enemy does that when we're weary and fatigued. He'll make sure we get to see people who aren't weary and fatigued. And then when he points them out to us, he'll say, if you were a better Christian, you'd be like them. I just like telling the enemy, no, they're just not in a series, a season where they're fatigued or discouraged or weary. Satan, you're a liar. They're not like that all the time because you can't be carrying a cross and it never affect you. (laughs) The idea that we can glibly carry a cross, it doesn't mean we can't do it joyfully, But I'm going to tell you something, man. The fellowship of the sufferings of Christ is a very um, diminished topic, especially among charismatic Christians. Because anything difficult and anything painful and anything taxing and anything trying, it's got to be of the devil because we live in an imaginary triumphalism that means we always are operating in resurrection. But let me just remind you, the order of events is submission, crucifixion, then resurrection. Hello. And the American church and a lot of people, and I'm a charismatic side. I've earned my scars to be able to say this. Like a lot of charismatic Christians, they just want to run straight to resurrection and hunker down there. Let's bypass the pain. Let's bypass the submission. Let's bypass the the cost. Yeah. the, The carrying the cross is just kind of a theme. Matter of fact, I've got one around my neck and I've got one up on the wall. So I'm carrying my cross. No, 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 no. If you're serving the Lord and you're loving him, matter of fact, loving him with all of your mind, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and the expression of that is a life of dedication, you're going to occasionally sense your limitations. 
And we have two choices to make when our limitations are undeniable. We can do the opposite of what God affirmed ancient Israel. We can say it's hopeless. But remember what the Lord said. You were wearied with the length of your way. God says, oh, you've been on a long road traveling behind me, but I've watched you the whole time. And you've never given the final declaration of it is hopeless. You've never quit. And because of that, you found new life for your strength. And so you were not faint. In other words, you were faint, but you didn't quit. And because you didn't quit, you found revitalized strength. And now you're not as faint as you were. Let me just give you something that probably won't sound spiritual, but it is at the core. It may be like one of the most, maybe the top three to five values that I believe is necessary for a victorious Christian life. And it's not even going to sound spiritual. Here it is. Never quit. Never quit. And even further, don't get into an internal dialogue that inch by inch permits you to consider quitting. Don't do it. You have won in Christ. And that victory has to manifest through time, through conflict, through denial, through delay, through opposition. Like that's why Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, you have the victory. It's in you saved friend, but you have to work outward that salvation. You have to literally live it out. And salvation is not just justification. Justification is what most people think of when they think of salvation. My sins are gone. I am, I'm accepted by the Lord because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's justification. It's part of salvation. But so is sanctification. Justification is saving you from your sin. Sanctification is saving you from yourself. And glorification is saving you from the possibility of ever being anything other than God intended you to be. And that comes at the, at the end when we stand before the Lord and we're fully glorified. All of that is salvation. You're not done being saved yet. Wrestle with that statement. You're not done being saved yet. Oh, you're justified by faith through Jesus Christ. You are being sanctified. So that means you're being saved from all things that are not in alignment with Jesus. So your flesh, the world, and the temptations of the devil, you're being saved. And my goodness, when we have components and themes in Christianity that talk about carrying your cross and crucify the affections of the flesh, the lusts and affections of the flesh, crucify them. You are crucified, but you're also called to crucify them. Second Corinthians 7.1, um, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Guys, that's not something that's done with a little smirk on your face. That's grueling. And here's God saying, I see you. I see you doing it. When a lot of people around you aren't. When a lot of people did give up. When a lot of people gave up at a much lesser level than you're at when refusing to give up. And guys, I just want you to remember this not about yourself because I don't want anybody leaving the podcast with anything other than encouragement and motivation today. I want you feeling sorry for yourself. That's not the, the purpose of this. But most of the people around you today, Christians anyway, are, are going to need some of that encouragement just like you do. 
They just need to hear somebody tell them, hey, I, I get you. You're not imagining it. The fatigue, the discouragement, the overwhelming sense of weakness, maybe even fears at times. It's not imaginary. And by the way, it, 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 it doesn't go away if you just try harder. I just got to try harder. I got to read more Bible verses. I'm going to fast a little more frequently or no, I know what I'll do. I'm going to add, I'm going to extend my daily quiet time by an extra half hour. So if I fast a little more frequently, extend my quiet time by a half hour, read twice as many Bible verses and just try harder, then I won't have any weariness. Well, I'm in favor of all those things I just mentioned, by the way, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes your disciplines can't get you out of that sense of the way is long, the way is hard, I'm feeling my weakness. Sometimes God lets you feel your weakness and doesn't allow anything you can do to get you out of that weakness. Hear me on this, because God doesn't want you at the end of your journey to say, the answer was me walking in my disciplines. The ultimate answer for victory was me walking in my disciplines. You know why? Well, because you're not going to be delivered from you by you. You're going to be delivered from you by becoming aware that there's nothing in you to deliver you. And the only way for us to come to terms with that is for God to allow us to sense our weakness. Because when we sense our weakness and then listen, go ahead, read more Bible verses, but it may not be the answer. Read them anyway. Go ahead and fast more often. may not be the answer, but go ahead and fast more often because it's a really good thing to do. Go ahead and extend the amount of time you're, you're operating in God consciousness through prayer and reading. Do all that stuff. Those are all good things, but that may not be what you're looking for. It may not be the answer to what you're looking for. The answer to what you're looking for is God moving in strength, revitalizing you while you're weak. And you, not giving up. You didn't say it was hopeless. I can promise you, I found long seasons in my life when none of my disciplines brought relief to my soul. More discipline did not help me in my most exhausted seasons. Deeper surrender does. Like, is your faith at a place? Man, I feel the Holy Spirit helping you on some of you on this. Are you at a place in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ where you can surrender and confess every weakness in you, when you can tell him, it's not in me. It's not in me, Lord. I, in and of myself, do not carry victory. You are the victory in me. And Lord, everything I'm putting before you is my strengths, and I trust you in your response to my strengths. But today, in this season, I don't have any strengths to bring you. So God, I'm trembling because what are you going to do when all I can bring you is my weakness, my fatigue, my weariness, my struggle on this long road? God, I don't know what you're going to do when all you see is my weakness. You've got to come to that point repeatedly in your life because you don't really trust God when you're always strong. It's, it, it enters the mind and maybe even the soul as an, a, a partnership, a formula. God will be good. Life will be good when I am strong. And that 
is not going to help you. And that doesn't, by the way, bring personal glory to God in your heart. Like you got to know, oh man, I'm feeling this. I just, honestly, I want to just shut down the recording and just go over here and get on the floor and pray in tongues because I just feel the Lord on this. Like you, you've got to know that he loves you and is for you and will bless you and help you as much when you are empty handed. Matter of fact, your hands aren't empty. Your hands are bringing sludge, the weakness of your own soul, the weakness of your emotions, the weakness of your mind, the weakness of your body. Like, like he doesn't need you to bring something good to him so he can do something good. And we've been trained, I think unintentionally for the most part, but we've been trained to expect God and life to be good when you are good and you are strong and you are capable. And I'm thinking, well, what does that offer to the people who aren't strong all the time, who aren't capable all the time, who wrestle and don't think that they're good or good enough? Is our message to them, try harder? Is that the new gospel? Try harder so God can have something to work with? How about not trying harder as the primary rule, the primary rule for how you live? How about surrender more deeply? How about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice? By the way, you're alive, but a sacrifice is dying. I think it was Vance Havner that said the problem with the living sacrifice is it's always trying to crawl off the altar. And people around you guys, we, I mean, everybody needs to hear the spirit of Isaiah 57, 10. You were wearied. You were wearied along the, the length of your way. And God says, but I never heard you give up. You just kept going. You didn't say it's hopeless. You kept going. You didn't sprint. You didn't skip. You didn't saunter, but you did keep walking. You may have even been crawling. But you never said it's hopeless. And in that, you found new life for your strength. Do you get that? In Isaiah 57, 10, God says, the key to finding a reinvigoration is to keep moving no matter how weary you feel. And to deny the conversation internally that can happen in all of us that says it's hopeless. It's hopeless. That will never come from the spirit of the Lord. When you sense hopelessness, it's always your flesh or the enemy. Always. God never looks at you and says, it's hopeless. (laughs) That's never the Lord. So how are you feeling about this? You getting some help? Look, um, somebody in your life, maybe not only you, but maybe through you into the life of somebody else that you're near, they need to hear you say that you also get weary during this long endurance faith race. I I think it's sad, but true that there's just not a surplus of people who run hard after the Lord and take it seriously like some of you do. There's not a surplus. There are many, but there's not a surplus. I mean, I don't ever want to be the guy who's mad at the church or anything because I'm not, but I don't want to lie either. Most people that call themselves a Christian, most, I think in the American church are not running hard after God in a consecrated devotion to Jesus. And so you need to know the ones that do, because I'm hoping that you're doing that. I don't think you'd stay as a listener to this podcast if you weren't pursuing a deeper walk with Jesus, because you get annoyed with me, because that's all I talk about. And so there's people in your life who also get worn out at times. And they need people like me and you to show them compassion and meet them, even if we're carrying our own weariness. 
and we just connect. We just connect and say, hey, I get you. I totally see you. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to front. You don't have to put on some, you know, Sunday show, the plastic Christianity. Like rejoice always in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. But rejoicing is not contingent upon you pretending like you have all your ducks in a row and everything's going fine. So we sometimes need somebody to tell us, hey, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm feeling this too. I, the road's long. I get you. But I'm, I'm submitting that not too many Christians are intentionally doing this. So God himself does it. That's Isaiah 57.10. If nobody else ever says it to you, is this good enough? God says it. Few verses in the Bible express, in my opinion, better and more succinctly what we're talking about here than Isaiah 57.10. I'm going to read it again. You, 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 you were wearied with the length of your way, but you did not say it is hopeless. You found new life for your strength, and so you were not faint. Thank you, Father. Thank you for not keeping a scorecard on me when I'm weak. Thank you for not looking over at Gabriel and Michael and saying, oh, she's weary again. Look at her. Here comes sister discouragement. Could you imagine that kind of mindset? That's, that's the way religion teaches us about the father. No, God says, hey, you're right. It's long and it's hard. And I've called you to a life of intentional self-sacrifice and um, faith. And it, you have to lay down your need to be in control and your need to fix things and your need to pursue ease and you know, comfort. God says, thank you for doing that. That's the call of my son on your life. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for not believing the lie that it's hopeless. I see you. So friends, read it. Read Isaiah 57. Read it again. Why don't you read it a dozen times and remember that it's God who is speaking. God is speaking. Why don't you just get bold enough to receive it as if he's speaking directly to you today? Because he is because that's his heart toward you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, bless those that have heard these words. Bless them with faith to receive it. And bless them, God. Everybody against whom discouragement and weariness was trying to win, blow fresh wind on them, Lord. Holy Spirit, blow fresh wind on the embers of their lives. We bind the accuser and we speak the blessing of a respite, a break, from all of the lies that tell them it's hopeless. We tell them, in the name of Jesus, you're going to do today. And then you're going to wake up in the name of Jesus and do tomorrow. And he's going to meet you in the morning with everything you need for tomorrow. You're a faithful father and we love you, Lord. We give you praise and glory for stooping in grace, looking us in the eyes when we're weak, exhausted, and overwhelmed, and saying, I bless you. Thank you for not quitting. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.